Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor Kenny Ellis and Pastor John Fullerton discuss this week's sermons and the nature of what the Word of God means to our lives. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, here we are again. I'm John Fullerton. I'm here with Kenny Ellis, and we uh, yes, we're the two preachers on duty for this yep. past uh, Sunday, and we are here for another episode of Armchair Preaching. And uh, I know Kenny and I, you've been talking about, um, you know, in, the, in these Armchair Preaching segments, we try to talk a little bit about something about the preaching itself mm-hmm. and about the yep. preaching moment itself, maybe some, and then some things that we maybe didn't get to or just were raised or some things, things that people talked about uh, with regard to the sermon it, yeah. itself. And, and you and I were talking about the, uh, the, the as far as preaching goes, you know, maybe one of the things that would be interesting to, to consider is how uh, in our system and the way that we preach, and I'm sure the way you were trained in, in seminary and what you value, and I know the uh, same is true for me and Zach and, and the others, is that, is that we tend to... Um, be rooted in a style of preaching that is not primarily thematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we don't have themes that we preach on. I've done plenty of those. I'm sure you've done plenty of those here that we might have a theme. I was even looking ahead, and we were talking, several of us talking yesterday about, you know, in, in, in the weeks leading up to Christmas, maybe there would be themes of hope and peace and joy and love and so on. But the sort of the bread and butter of, of our preaching is more of a uh, of a text based uh, yeah. preaching. Has that been your experience uh, here, and that's been has that been the history here as well? Yeah, for sure. We we tend to land either on a, a book of the Bible or a certain section of Scripture that we're going to focus on, and, and every in every sermon, uh, even if from week to week they're not necessarily tied. Within each given week, there's a passage usually that we're kind of doing a deep dive into that passage and kind of letting that passage be the the focus of the whole sermon. Um, as opposed to like a more of a topical or kind of felt needs type style. So yeah. And why why is that? Why is that important? Um, I mean, why is it important to you? And why is it important for a congregation and uh, to to have that deep dive as opposed to the topical, maybe skimming the surface type of approach? I think one of the benefits of of that style is um, I I think oftentimes I think this of all of worship that. All of worship, in a sense, is helping people know how to govern um, their own devotional life. So I think the prayers that we pray, we ought to pray in such a way that teaches the, the person in the congregation how to pray. So I mm-hmm. think if we, if we pray in a way that we don't expect them to duplicate or replicate in their own lives, it's not helpful. So I think there's a better chance that people will read their Bibles um, in this way if we teach them how to land in a section of the Bible and then pray and you know tease out the meaning and what's the application and all that stuff, I think we're teaching them how to read their Bibles better. Because we, you know, we have seminary training and all this background. We can cherry pick verses from all over the Bible and put them in some topical thing. But the, you know, most people don't have that ability to do that. So then they just get used to us picking a scripture and tagging some chicken soup for the soul story to it, and then all of a sudden that's 
that's what they think Bible reading is. So mm -hmm. I think that's one benefit is it just helps people know how to read their own Bibles for themselves. I love what you said about the, uh, about the thematic approach. And I, I think it's one of the difficulties and maybe even one of the challenges when we do thematic theories is, is that if you're going to do something that is not rooted in one single text where you dive deep and you're going to have a, a multitude of texts, so you got, you know, maybe, maybe 10 or 10 texts that really support each of your points. Maybe you make five points supported by 10 texts or something yeah. like that. You have to be faithful to every single one of those texts because sometimes we, we take a text and we think it means something, but when you take it in its larger, that the text in its context, it actually has a very different feel yeah. than the way we're trying to present it and they kind of force it into something to, to yeah. work for us. So I think it's more difficult to do a thematic uh, approach. I think it's helpful from time to time for a congregation to have a thematic approach, but it's also more challenging if it's not based on digging deep in one passage. Why do you, why do you, think, that, um, why do you think that such a temptation to preach... Um, theme-based or topical-based sermons, because that's actually, I think, um, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a trend. I don't know more um, exegetical, um, you know, verse-based, Bible-based, passage-based versus thematic. But why do you think it, it's a temptation to want to go to the topical? Hmm. My first reaction uh, is that that I think it is it is um, more spoon-feeding. And easier to take yeah. on the part of a of a hearer of that message. Yeah. You know, there's five ways to to do such and such. Five five ways to improve your your contentment in life, and three yeah. ways to change. You know, to fix, fix your your yeah. relationships in life. You know, what something like that. It's more kind of spoon fed, but I mean, sometimes that's done at 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 the cost of actually being faithful to the word of God and. Yeah. Sometimes it's done at violence to, to the word of God. It's yeah. like, man, that's a, you know, we're close, dude. Um, yeah. But and that that's as opposed and as opposed to really expository, mm -hmm. you know, where where you're you're centering on that that text. And I think it's that's it. It can be harder. I mean, it pro it's probably harder to to hear it because you have to be a little more patient with it. Mm -hmm. If we're going to do something, I I call it running starts. If you're going to get a running start into a passage, I like to give a running start into a passage so that. By the time we get to the actual hearing of the passage, we've kind of talked around what's going on that gets us to the point where yeah. we're going to he hear this passage. Yeah. Well, you know, you have to be patient, and you have to, that has yeah. to be something you desire. And that's uh, maybe there's not a lot of patience in in, in hearing, and or or, or um, it's also it's hard work. Mm -hmm. I mean, to to do a true expository preaching where you do di uh, dig deep, you have to spend time unpacking words and. Yeah. phrases and flow and context and what's going on in the overall writing and what's going on the, you know, it, it's a it's a lot of a lot more work and which i also think is why i think it's why you see bible reading as a as a devotional practice is um has waned over over the the decades you know where the, the biblical literacy right now people just don't read their bibles and i think part of it is they've they they've they've um, they haven't um, developed the skills, just the basic skills of feeling like they could almost turn anywhere in the Bible and they could have a meaningful time with God in the Bible. Like, I just don't think they, because I think if they've been spoon-fed and they've just been given these kind of packaged messages that are immediately relevant, immediately practical, but they never saw anybody show them how to make sure that they knew the original intent of the, of the passage first, 
then I just think they're ill-equipped, and so they just won't. You know, they're they're not mm. going to just crack the Bible because they start reading and most of it's confusing and they don't have any idea. So, uh, you know, I, I was thinking a similar thought as I was I was in uh, the later chapters of the Book of Isaiah this morning in my in my 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 personal readings, and I knew this was coming up, and so I was thinking, you know, this is this is an example of what what's difficult about expository preaching. If I were just to open up to this passage and I hear this this passage about you know, out of Isaiah, you know, about true fasting, for example. Well, it has no point yeah. of reference to, to me, and I'm yeah. just like, well, what do I do with that? Yeah. But yeah, if and then I, you're just if, left with what does it mean to me? Yeah. Which, and, you know, that, that goes sideways pretty quick. Pretty quickly. I was reading uh, Haddon Robinson, um, who was a preaching professor at, uh, at Gordon-Conwell, and I had him out at um, Fuller Seminary as well, uh, talking about uh, the, the, what exactly is expository preaching and, and making a case for it. And he had several things to say, and I think it's worth, worth saying since we're talking about this today. One of the things he said is that the, in expository preaching, the passage itself, so you know, we were in um, Genesis and we were in Hebrews uh, uh, this past week, and we we're looking at uh, the life of Enoch, but the passage itself governs the sermon. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really, yeah. Yeah, the passage governs the sermon. Yeah. The topic doesn't govern the sermon, the passage governs the sermon, and the preacher's job, he said, is to communicate a concept you know anything about Haddon Robinson, he's, he's really big in saying that if you come to a passage, there is a big idea in this passage. Your job as a preacher is to get to it, to sort, sort through all the pieces, all the word studies, figure out what the big idea, and then communicate that, that, that concept because that concept is going to come from the text, and then you apply it. But even that, he said, you apply it first to the, to the expositor. You, you apply it first to the preacher. Yeah. So I don't know how you feel about that. I'm half the time I feel like I'm preaching to myself first. Well, I think that I, I think if you don't, I think that's where where preaching comes off. It's very disingenuous, and um, and I think doesn't have any life in it. Like if it, if you haven't connected with it personally, if you haven't wrestled with it, prayed with it, been encouraged by it, if it didn't happen personally, I think you're just flat. And I think people can feel that. I think they can feel when a when a pastor or a preacher is just going through the motions. So. No, yeah. I think that's a big piece of it. Did, did you come away from this past Sunday thinking about how Kenny Ellis's walk with God was going? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it made me just think back over my life at the times where I felt like I'd really walked close with the Lord, and then times when I felt like I had drifted, not because necessarily of any sin pattern, but just I let that intimacy with Him get mm. put to the, the edges of my yeah. life. And so, yeah, it made me think all week long about, you know, if I'm going to get Him to talk about this, like... How would I think about my walk with yeah. God? Do I well, like I walk closely? So yeah, I think that's really important. We had a, a, a preaching professor at Princeton. He said that uh, we were all like, we're concerned about how well we're going to preach and how effective we're going to preach. And he said, let me just give you a formula here, and it's kind of what you're saying. He said it's impression equals expression. The degree to which you are impressed upon your soul, the text itself is impressed upon your soul when it's deep inside of you you will express it. You will not be yeah. able to help but express it. Yeah, I found that helpful over the years. Yeah, yeah. I want to I shift now um, and uh, talk about something that we, we talked about uh, prior to this uh, re- regarding this idea of walking with God and how uh, walking with God, we, we, we both talked about it in our sermons. I've listened to yours, you've listened to mine, and we both talked about how there is an intimacy with God. But sometimes that, some people get nervous about that intimacy. I want to share a little bit about what you're yeah, because you know, interesting. We we both um, we both 
Because I think, once again, here back to Haddon Robinson's point, you let a concept drive the whole thing. Well, walking with God was was what Enoch was noted for. That's what was his faith was commended because he was one who walked with God. So you talked about, you know, walking with seal and that relationship and how often that relationship is, is enjoyed on walks or runs that you guys take together and, and that sort of thing. Um, so I, I think... Um, that language of intimacy and warmth and accessibility to God, that he's right there, like even just envisioning that God's right there with you walking, um, that, that is what uh, the Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews is commending as that's possible because of what Jesus has done. But there's, I, I do think the danger would be to, to slip way to one extreme um, and lose something of, of the transcendence and the holiness and the majesty of God and forget, yeah, he is walking with us and we do have this kind of access, but he still is the sovereign God of creation. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just wondered, because I, I meet people who I think err on either side. Like they're all about transcendence and holiness and everything has to be reverent and awe-inspiring but they just lack a sense of warmth and relationship mm. with God, or they go the other extreme. God's my buddy, and you know, I, he I call him dude when I pray, and you know, all these these <laughs> kind of weird ways of, of trying to overemphasize the intimacy piece. And so I, I was just, you know, that's when I was asking you, how do you feel like we balance that tension of those two things? I think the interesting thing about that is that <laughs> is that it it is something that you want to balance mm-hmm. between those two extremes. On the one hand, there is intimacy with God. On the other hand, it's a uh, there. There's the holiness and the holy otherness uh, of God, and and we we if we're on one end or the other, we're we're missing the fullness of who God is and our our, our connection with God, and and so we have a very very limited view of God. And I was trying to think about you know what's that what's that like? It reminded me of somebody once said that the uh, it's one of my professors said that they that uh, we're talking about the comfort of God. And he said, the comfort of God is not the kind of comfort that you would get from a big, comfortable, overstuffed couch. And you sit in that and you feel really comfortable and warm and fuzzy. It's the kind of comfortable where you're in this fortress, powerful fortress, and no enemy can get to you. Mm. It's that, str- that strong comfort, mm. not the squishy, you know, soft, marshmallow kind of, kind of comfort. And I yeah. think there's, a, there's something in that as well. Or the other one was, and this is in honor of you, Zach, who's uh, not right now as we speak, he's... He's still over in uh, England, having gone with this C.S. Lewis right. uh, thing. He's either asleep or he's having dinner. I, exactly. forget, I forget which way that <laughs> exactly. time works. Exactly. But there was this, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis put, put the, had the Chronicles of Narnia uh, books, and, and it's the idea of the, those children walking with Aslan. Yeah. It's, it's, Aslan is this lion who is the Christ figure in that, in that series, but it's, he's a powerful lion. His roar just trembles the, the demons, and, but they're walking in intimate connection with yeah. him. So. So you are walking with God, but the God with whom you walk is this lion, yeah. uh, the lion of Judah, the lion is this yeah. power that we, who has power we cannot imagine. Yeah. Well, and 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 and, uh, and so that that's about just keeping our conception of God full. That yes, He's loving and compassionate and kind, and He's made Himself available, but He's still sovereign and holy. But then there's also, I think, one of the things that made me think about was. Um, if you if you say by faith I want to believe that I can walk with God in this way, it automatically makes you think. But I know myself, and I know my sin, and I know my struggles, and I know my failures. How is it that I can walk with Him in this way? And the answer should be the cross. And so, in some ways, that's one way to balance that too: is to say, well, the thing that makes God available and accessible and clo- as close as a friend or a brother walking with me is not 
that I'm so lovable or so cute that he just can't get enough of me. It's that, you know, I've trusted in Christ, and therefore I don't have to fear that my sin mm -hmm. pushes him away. Yeah. So in some ways it could be that it helps reinforce the gospel um, if you if you try to keep those things in tension. It's probably the gospel that keeps you there in the middle. Yeah, no, I think it's a, that's a great point, because I, I, I referenced... Um, uh, A.W. Pink, uh, and, and he, he was talking about the wa a walk with God. One of the implications of a walk with God is the fact that uh, there is a correspondence of nature. Yeah. The idea that God is radiant. You know, I, always, I think about this image a lot, the radiant, pure, burning light. And you know, we know there's sin nature in us. And, so there's, and darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. How, so how do you reconcile that? And, that's what you're, that's, and when I hear you saying that, that the gospel itself is the assurance that, that it has been reconciled through Christ. Yeah. Uh, we are forgiven. We are declared uh, in right standing with God, and we are th therefore allowed to be in intimate relationship with, with God. And so we can be confident in that and have the intimacy. Uh, but I like how you said it. It, all, it, it reinforces the, the, the sheer power and the magnitude of everything that God did in order to allow that intimacy. Yeah, yeah. And when we have that in our mind, I think that makes, that, that makes our walking qualitatively, quantitatively, of a different magnitude yeah. of order. I mean, just, it, it yeah, really yeah, is yeah. so much better. Yeah, well, you're confident that, you're confident that you're, you're walking with him at his invitation. It's not like some pesty little tag-along who, you know, you're, you're walking with somebody that doesn't really want you to walk with them, but they'll, they'll tolerate yeah, you being yeah. there, you know. Thump you away if you yeah, start it, getting, a, you know. pesty, yeah. But the gospel just says he loves that, that he's, yeah. the, he's the one who took the, the long journey to earth to make that happen so we could walk with him. So once again, it just brings, I think it brings a little balance, but it also keeps his holiness intact, you know. Let's talk about uh, anything we might not have, might not have covered in the, uh, in the sermons, your sermon, my sermon, anything we might not have, uh, have covered, or maybe just some things, that you, some reactions you've had to it or some, some other thoughts that you've had since since the sermon anything come to mind well you know this is cool i mean I, you know we get feedback uh thankfully we we love our congregation and we're accessible to our congregation so we get to be in conversations with people and sometimes you get the hey great sermon i love the sermon whatever and that's fine they're, they're trying to be complimentary but there's no you don't really know what that means sometimes you get somebody to share something very specific and i had somebody say i had brought up the idea of God as kind of a um, the ultimate trail guide. Yeah, that's I like part that. of the part of if you walk with Him, you automatically get His direction and His wisdom about the path. Uh, well, I thought I'd, and then I mentioned GPS. Well, this person said, well, they that that's just that mention of a trail guide, and then a modern day version of that on the road would be having a GPS system that tells you when the next turn's coming. Or um, uh, this person said that then they went in a step further and got another implication of the gospel, which is that when you use the GPS system, if you get, if you take a wrong turn because you ignore the direction or you don't pay enough attention to the GPS, in this case, God's direction, GPS that you, starts, it starts recalculating yeah. and it says recalculating, yeah. recalculating. And, yeah. and she said, I felt like that was a reminder to me that even if I take a wrong path or I disobey God, his grace is always recalculating, inviting me back. And I thought, what a cool... That is cool. So it's something I didn't say. Yeah, I yeah, wish I had yeah, said it. Yeah. I'll say it next time. Uh, uh, but what yeah. a neat thing that, that the Holy Spirit gave that to her in something I didn't even intend. But what a great thought. Have you had... I've had, I've had a number of people say this. I'm sure you have too, that, that, that Enoch was just this person they didn't know anything about. Mm -hmm. And then after, after Sunday, it's like, wow, that's... I mean, like, 
people have been yeah. hearing these stories for a long time, hearing, yeah. the, hearing preaching, preaching for a long, lots of sermons, yeah. did not see or know about the, the life of, of Enoch yeah. and why it was commended. I'd never preached on Enoch. How about, Sunday yeah, was the there, first time there, I there preached on it, so there you go. So I'm sure there were lots yeah, of people who yeah. just had never heard much about him. So One of the things that stood out to me um, kind of afterwards is that it's, it, it, it is, it, you and I both called people to, to you know, to... Uh, walk with God, just to, mm-hmm. to an intimate walk with God, and our, did it in our own ways. We did it. We showed that the faith of Enoch was a was reflective of that. It's available for us as well, available because of the gospel and, and what the work that Jesus has done. And so, walk with you know, let's let's walk with God. And one of the things that that I was, came away from that uh, thinking about was that you know, and I didn't say I didn't say this, but it's it, it's in there. Is that what that means is that you ponder God. Um. In all of your life, I mean, you, you're 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 pondering God. You you are aware that you are living for uh, God. You are aware that you are to honor God. But but when you're walking with God, you're not just walking with Him when you go when you when you come to church. You're walking with God when you're writing that contract at work. Yeah. You're walking with God when you're taking that test at school. You're walking with God when you're laying down in in your bed. You're walking with God when you're when you're sitting with your family. I mean, it's just, it, it is all encompassing. Yeah. And one of the things that I think many people have a tendency to do is to compartmentalize life. This is the spiritual part of my life, and I'm just going to put that right over here, and I'm going to act all spiritual over here. And the idea of a walk with God says that, no, you're, the, the totality of your life is a walk with God. Yeah. But yeah, so it's the way of life versus some piece of your life. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's really important. And I think you said something in your sermon that I, I thought was also a good reminder for our little tribe um, of Presbyterianism, that you, you talked about the gifts and the strengths of Presbyterianism has always been that, that the theological precision, the value of God's Word, and the study of God's Word, and knowing God's Word, and theology, and those sorts of things. But what can be lost sometimes in that is the intimacy. And so I thought that was a really important thing to say, just given our history and our heritage and the things that we tend to value there's always going to be an imbalance. And so that was, I thought, was really an important thing to say because um, we can check the box. We can say, oh, I went to Bible study or I went to Sunday school or I went to worship. I've checked that box. That's what it means to walk with God for me is learning things about him. Mm-hmm. And that's not the sum total of it. It's a piece. It's an important piece, but it has to be all of life. So I thought that was an important thing to say. Well, maybe, maybe some good wrapping up. Uh, that's a wrapping up theme right here with as we wrap up this episode yep. uh, is the idea we've we've brought this up several times now this idea of of finding that balance there is the intimacy with god there is the holy otherness and transcendence of god and we need to as we're living our life to to make sure that we have that have that balance there is the scriptural uh, integrity and the theological precision which is kind of head stuff but there's also heart yeah. And there's passion, and there's yeah, and, and there's that in me. So having that balance as well. Yeah. Uh, any, any so there's my closing thoughts. No, that, let's find a good balance. Let's good. find a good balance head in our heart. lives of of head and heart, um, intimacy and and transcendence, yeah. and but do that in all areas yeah. of our life. Yeah. Well said. Good. All right. Well, that's it for uh, for this episode of Armchair Preaching. Yeah. I think where next we headed, time, where are we headed next week? So we're on Moses yep. uh, this week, and uh, it's you and me. It, yep, you and me again. Uh, uh, Moses this week, and then uh, the week after that, I think Zach is back back with us in, in the mix as well. So Moses, he's going to be our one like 
uh, superstar out of this list of uh, the yeah. name of the eight that we're doing in this series. Yeah, a little more well known. Yeah. But I, but just a little teaser. I think the thing we're going to talk about is not as well known. And so there you go. Right. It'll, be, it'll be interesting to there you go to explore that a little bit. You have to come here. All right. Until next time. Okay. Thanks.